Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. next two interviews that you're going to hear are with Eden Rahim. He is uh, Next Edge Capital and he's going to be talking about biotech funds. Sounds on some level not that interesting, I suppose, uh, for some of the listeners out there, but the reality is it's incredibly interesting. It's about the ripple effect. It's about the little things. It's about investing. It's about biologic uh, drugs that are in development. Over 900 of them, actually, are in development. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about idiosyncratic risk. We're going to talk about um, what, what's going on in this field and what's actually happening. Eden refers to to this field as a uh, virtuous industry, which which I absolutely love. So I think there's there's a whole lot here going on, way more going on than meets the eyes. So I hope you enjoy uh, this interview, uh, Eden Rahim from Next Edge Capital. So welcome to Face to Face, and we are joined by another very special guest today. Eden Rahim is here. Actually, he's a, a returning guest, and every now and then I do have the odd returning guest, and it's always a real honor and a real privilege. Eden's uh, an old friend, but also uh, a very talented um, fund manager and is running a, a fund called Next Edge. Finish it off for me, Eden. Biotech Plus Fund. The Next Edge Biotech Plus Fund. Can you tell that I didn't come up with that name? <laughs> That's what I just want to tell my listeners right out of the gate. Uh, Eden's uh, been involved in the investment industry for years, and we're probably going to hear a little bit more about that. We might get into your history a little bit. But anyway, thanks for joining us today, Eden. Delighted to be here, David. Yeah. And uh, I think on a third first podcast we um, we covered a lot of the uh, the unique stories about being in this industry and we did and yes and I, believe it or not I checked and I'm, I'm about to publish I think about 100 and 180 interviews I mean I've probably pushed 220 now all in but on face to face about 180 and I think you were number three Number six. Three, number six. <laughs> yeah. Number six. I knew it was. I knew it was pretty early on. So, I think um, Matt Desero is pretty happy. He was just ahead of me. He was just ahead <laughs> of you. That's right. Matt Desero was. Uh, yeah. Right out. Of, right out of the gate. Yes. Yes. 
And I think for those of you who are interested, you should go back and hear it. It was a very interesting interview. Um, you can even hear the wine glasses tinkling uh, in the background. It was a nice Australian Shiraz. That was the Elderton Command Shiraz, <laughs> one of the best in the world. I wouldn't forget it. That's awesome. So the conversation meant nothing to you, but the red wine spoke to you. That, that's why I was there. Yes, heavenly experience. Yeah. Why Next Edge? What's so Next Edge about Next Edge? So Next Edge is a firm that evolved from Man Canada, which is a firm that specialized in alternative assets. So they have a unique mandate. So they, they pursue unique strategies, whether it's in private debt, um, alternative yield, and something like, uh, like biotech, which is the only biotech fund of its kind in Canada. So that's, that's really why they, they specialize in unconventional sources of return. How, how is it the only kind of, kind of its fund like this in Canada? I mean, this seems like a, I mean, we're gonna talk about innovation. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty innovative. I mean, is that part of the reason why it's not? Um, I, in Canada, um, investors tend to like their resources, stuff you dig out of the ground, right. and their financial companies and their yield uh, investments. Uh, so, some more, some more secure Eden. Is that uh, what well, hearing? that's a barbell approach, right? So you've got the secure investments in the yield investments, and you've got the um, uh, riskier investments in resources. So they um, they tend to favor you know either or, or both, but there isn't um, a deep fabric of investing in biotech in Canada. Now there was a period where the sector became favorable, but that was investing in especially pharma and what they were were essentially financial roll-up companies. There weren't really R&D investments. They weren't creating new products. They were simply buying products and accruing earnings. That's an entirely different model. But there is a history of some great innovation in Canada in biotech healthcare in the 1990s. Um, the first original successful HIV drug, 3TC, was created by Biochem Pharma. And that became a billion dollar drug. Canadian company, we had um, uh, QLT create a drug called Visudine. Um, and uh, we had uh, Angiotech create a drug, uh, a, a device, a, a drug coated stent to reduce uh, clotting. And so there is a history of that success. Um, but we haven't seen that in, over the past decade. Drug coated stents, I'm pretty sure they used those in, in parties in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah, listen, there was a lot of Led Zeppelin going on That's in the background, right. I'm pretty sure. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds fascinating. So, so Next Edge is truly for you, not only, uh, and, and I know this a little bit about your academic history and what you studied and so on as an undergrad, but uh, um, Next Edge for you really is about what's next? That's is right. It about, is it about the discovery? Is it about... And maybe you can talk a little bit about those types of companies that you're investing in, because mm -hmm. I don't think you're investing in startups. No. You're, you're going in a little farther. You're going in with some proved data. You've got some evidence to say this is not such a bad idea after all. Absolutely. Um, investing in biotech, it's all about risk-reward. There is idiosyncratic risk associated with investing in the space. And what that means is that unlike virtually any other sector, you are investing in a company that reaches certain binary thresholds. And at those binary thresholds, either the company reports good data or bad data. If it's good, the company may soar hundreds of percent. If it's bad, it may go down 60, 70, 80, 90 percent. 
So it's not the sort of sector that an investor necessarily wants to um, invest in individually because they're taking a disproportionate amount of risk. But in an investment vehicle such as our fund, they can participate in the exciting growth in the sector without having to take that individual company risk. We have over 20 years experience investing in the space. We have a discipline on how we choose investments and how we hedge investments, protect investments, what part of the cycle we invest in, how long we hold it for, where do we step aside before these binary events. We have a, a long discipline that's associated with investing. Is, is biotech, is next edge sort of on the edge because it's, it's a, like as you said, it's a space that is, I don't know, it's unfamiliar, it's, it's still really new, it is really risky, I suppose. I mean, when I, what little I know about uh, some of these pharmacological sort of insights, and I'm actually benefiting from one, I've, yeah. I've got psoriatic arthritis, I'm on Enbrel, uh, we've chatted about this before, but without the space you're working in, that drug wouldn't have been discovered. So um, I'm wondering, is it, is it almost too flighty for, for your typical investor, in a sense? Um, to do on their own. Yeah, it, it's it's a very complex sector, and to um, to hand <coughs> excuse me to handicap and do the work that's necessary to understand the science and technology behind it. Um, at what points you should invest in it, it really is it really is quite complex. You have to read through um, scientific papers. You have to speak to key opinion leaders, and and handicap outcomes. And so it's it's not I. I don't think it's for the average investors. Obviously, there there will be some that mm-hmm. for whom they're highly skilled at doing so, but it's it's generally not. What's your what's your background academically? Oh, I, know oh, I did my undergrad in molecular genetics and traded my way through university um, um, in the nineteen eighties. But um, and when I got to RBC, um, I joined RBC as a derivatives analyst, but. Um, each of the different sectors in the market were managed by different PMs and nobody really wanted biotech. So I was the Mikey um, right. that was assigned. Right. right, and that's a reference. We just lost at least 50% of the audience. <laughs> oh, the old Mikey yeah. commercial? That's right, okay. yeah. yeah, the life cereal. Yes, yes. that's right, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> he won't eat it, he hates everything. Yes, give it to Mikey. Yeah, hey Mikey, he likes it, yeah. That was me. So have you in a sense, so you've got a background clearly in this sort of scientific world or in, in, a, in a, I mean, molecular genetics, probably not what everybody's going into in the heart sciences, really, are they? Well, now they are. Now Appar- they are. Apparently yeah. there is a big waiting list for it and, and justifiably so. It really is, it's a transformative field. I mean, drug innovation has changed. The skill sets that are needed are changed. My, my son did his undergrad in molecular genetics, and I looked at what he did, and it is vastly more complex and difficult compared to when I did it. And it's just remarkable um, what these young students learn now and, and the power that's at their fingertips um, in, this, in this field. And uh, it, I still think it remains one of the most exciting fields to, so to were be you, in. So were you kind of at the time, and I think I get, I get that from you know, the, the reference, but yeah. you were the lone wolf in a sense. You were, there, there probably weren't a lot of you at the time. No, there wasn't even a program. Yeah. There wasn't even a program in molecular genetics. I actually um, was going was gonna to go into either engineering or maybe try my hand at med school, but I fainted at the sight of blood, so med school was out. <laughs> so 
engineering, and then Genentech went public while I was in high school. And Genentech was the first biotech company. And the stock IPO'd at, I think, around 26, and it closed at 86. Mm. And there was a huge excitement surrounding it. And I remember hearing the news about that at the time, and I said, "And I said, I want in. That's it." Was it was it was it science fictiony back then? I mean, I mean, when I say back then, it's yeah. so long ago, and it's really not. But in the, that world, it's a long time. Yeah, ago. and you know, the first introduction really to biotech. If you remember Blade Runner, yeah, which I know you love, and we both love. Um, so Blade Runner, you 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 know you you see. Um, biotech being discussed in its infancy and it's actually remarkably accurate you know the writing was so good that the the use of biotech terms in there was actually quite accurate and that was literally the time that biotech was born so it's quite remarkable and it was and it, it was an exciting time and you know we talked about this in, in, in the first interview it's just it was a formative stage. So this industry is actually really young. It's just one generation I mean, in, old. In, so in a way, I mean, you go, I mean, really, this is ridiculous to say this based on, you know, all of a couple of minutes talking about your history and, you know, academic life and so on. But in a sense, I think, by the sounds of it, you were kind of always on the next edge, if you will. That's right. Um, I, it, there, is, there is something highly appealing and exciting about, about, things that will change the world as we know it. And, you know, biotech is front and center. Um, and we've definitely seen that happen, seen it unfold. I mean, the innovations that have come of age. I mean, you know, we've, the first generation of recombinant drugs, we saw address chronic medical needs. And now the tools that have been developed and the speed of processing that's developed are making a whole new generation. So right now, one of the most exciting things happening in cancer is so for two generations we've had to deal with the toxicity of something medieval like chemotherapy methotrexate that's right absolutely and but now there was a little biotech company called Metarex that was acquired by Bristol Myers in March of 2009 that transformed a sleepy old pharma company into the most one of the most one of the fastest growing pharma companies mm. in the world and what they did was they had the ability to cause your immune system to react against cancer cells. And it's the biggest, it's called immuno-oncology. Which and is completely turning the disease on its head. It's turning the disease on its head because now you're not using toxic chemo, so you have drugs like Optivo and Keytruda from Merck that's transforming cancer therapy. And that's just the beginning. What is about to unfold in this entire field is so exciting, and this is just one. This is just, this is just one, one segment. So, so, so I think I read recently, and I, maybe we can talk about this in, in part two of, of this series. But, but there's over nine hundred. That's dr correct. Drugs in in um, what would you say in research and development phases of a variety of different phases, I guess trials and so on. Precisely, and they're addressing a, a huge. Um, uh, range of unmet medical needs and what's remarkable is is that so we've had you know small molecule therapeutics addressing a variety of ailments you know for 50 60 70 years but now we have the tools using cell biology molecular biology to create new therapeutics that modify the disease 
So these are disease-modifying therapeutics that are coming, and that's a huge difference. So for instance, take something like Alzheimer's. Oh, let's go back to the, 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 the PD-1 and checkpoint inhibitors that Bristol-Myers has. So cancer cells, some cancer cells, produces an excess of something called PD-1. And what PD-1 does, it suppresses the body's immune system from attacking the cancer cells. So we, um, Bristol-Myers and Merck were able to create something called a checkpoint inhibitor that suppresses the PD-1 and allows the body to now attack the cancer cells, right? Now, on the other hand, you've got something like Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's, there is it's the biggest unmet medical need that, is, that exists right now. It's epidemic. There are over 5 million people in North America suffering from it. It'll grow to 15 million in the next generation. The cost of the system is huge. It is debilitating. And we're, we're just in the early stage of discovering um, how to possibly address that. Much like your Enbrel mm-hmm. works, an anti-TNF alpha inhibitor, the way that's being used, that's in clinical trials right now, is all to, also to use an antibody response to break down plaques that build up in your brain. That's the path that's being pursued with Alzheimer's. But there has been no new Alzheimer's drugs approved in 12 years. Wow. And the only drugs approved are symptomatic. They're not disease modifying. So not only is this a massive, massive human risk, yes. it's also a massive opportunity as well. Absolutely. So we own eight companies that are in various stages of development addressing Alzheimer's. Now think about how vast the opportunity is. You don't need all eight to work. Right. You just need one to work and right. it'll be up thousands right. of percent. Right. Right? You can have three or four that fail and lots of companies have failed in Alzheimer's. In fact, virtually every company has failed in Alzheimer's. So, so, so what do you want? Do you want to find the, the, the cure for Alzheimer's or do you want to make a thousand percent? So this is a virtuous industry. Yeah, you've, you've used that phrase before, and yes. I, I love it. I mean, yeah. a, a nice way to impose Aristotelian ethics. Yes. It is a virtuous industry. You are... Well, you, Eden, what I just, and maybe we can talk about this yeah. too at another time, but uh, you know, I've just come from a financial conference today, actually, talking about responsible investing and this whole idea of sustainable investing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did not see that coming. You, you were at a financial conference. You must have been ambushed somehow. I was yeah. indeed, yes, by several. Yeah. Um, but it kind of redefines impact investing in a way. Typically, impact investing is defined, I think, frankly, in a really myopic way. Yeah. This is, this is changed. I think this kind of changes the conversation a little bit. Yeah, you know, the financial industry, it's, it's pretty much been the tried and true along the way and there's a lot of redundancy a lot of duplication you know everyone reproduces the same services they just sell it differently and that's really where the, they differentiate themselves this is entirely different it's a virtuous industry it is it takes hundreds of millions and sometimes billions of dollars to develop a drug biogen's trial uh, its phase 3 trial for alzheimer's will cost 2 billion dollars wow. now who bears that risk not governments it's shareholders that bear that risk. So all these innovative drugs that you've seen on the market is shareholders are borne that risk to bring these drugs to market. And with, in the case of Alzheimer's, is 
it's a bit of a gold rush. Many will fail and some will succeed in a mind-blowing way. And so if you can make a difference in helping fund a company that brings a therapeutic uh, to market that transforms a pressing need, then we live in a society where that should be rewarded. Well, and a little bit more than just a great story at your next cocktail party. That's right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So tell me, uh, and we're, we're going to have to wind, wind up soon, but tell me, tell me. Um, let's go back to the 90s and sure. 3TC. Yeah. Now, you were at RBC at the time? That's correct, and yeah. You were, you were investing in the company that ultimately developed that medication, correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. So prior to... Um, Epivere or 3TC as it was generically known before Epivere, AZT was this toxic drug, only drug available for HIV patients. Epivere came along, revolutionized the treatment for HIV. A Canadian company, Biochem Pharma, developed it in partnership with Glaxo. I remember when the CEO stood up in 1994 and projected that this would be a $400 million drug and everyone in the room laughed. Wow. By 2000, it was a billion dollar drug. And it revolutionized the treatment of HIV until it was acquired by Shire. But that is the kind of exciting thing that you can participate on. You are helping to fund and develop life-saving therapeutics. And you're on the edge of, uh, I think you, you actually referred yeah. to it as a, a, a well, chronic, I mean, the, yeah. the word I'm going to use is chronic with yes. respect to, my father had Parkinson's, yes. you know, uh, Alzheimer's, these kinds of diseases that are, that are slowly whittling away at, at an aging, well, not just an aging population. This is the tragedy of some That's of these tragedy. diseases. Absolutely. Right? Because, you know, any CNS indication, central nervous system, um, you have MS, you have Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, epilepsy, schizophrenia, anxiety disorders. And, you know, a lot of these are just tied to, to overproduction or underproduction of brain chemicals. Mm. You know, and so that's anything that can modify that will bring some of these um, terrible diseases under control. And that's the aim. And the brain or neurology is the next frontier in biotech. A quarter of our fund is devoted to companies that are developing therapeutics in this space. So just to wrap up before we, uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here in a second. What about um, hair replacement? Um, we actually- you know, Speaking to a guy that could actually use with that drug, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm hearing you on all this other stuff, yes. all this life-saving stuff, but what about the lack of a full head of hair. That's, yes, that's, yeah. yes, what I know. You, what can you tell me about that? Even? Yeah, and, and, and you actually nailed it. That will be a huge market. Yeah. Are you investing in any, of the, in any of those firms? We have a small Canadian company <laughs> oh, is that awesome. is developing. Um, it's a regenerative uh, cell company that's developing a solution to that. They're partnering with Sushido in, in Japan. And uh, yeah, so it's definitely an indication worth pursuing. There aren't many public companies. Uh, there is insight. It, uh, the irony is that uh, JAK inhibitors have been shown to cause hair regrowth. And so there are companies that are developing JAK inhibitors, such as Insight, that are going to go into an alopecia trial because that's a beneficial side effect. 
So there are little things like that are happening. There will be something. Well, I think what okay. we should be talking about in our next interview is innovation, because clearly we barely scratched the surface sure. on that notion. But the idea that the brain and neurology is the next wave. Yes. It's just 900 drugs being in trial. I mean, there's just so much room for um, discovery. We are at the cusp. Be pretty exciting. We're at the cusp of one of the most exciting phases in human history in drug development. Eden Rahim joining us today on Face to Face from Next Edge at the. Next Edge Biotech Plus Fund. Is that what I can call it? That's correct. And the company name is? Next Edge Capital. Next Edge Capital. Thanks even for joining us today. Thank you, David. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.